All right, we're back. It's been too long. It's been two months. Two months too long. This is, you called it, season seven. Season seven. Starting on the 6th of May, 2016, it's the Soybean Plant Pro... Plant Progress. Soybean Pest Podcast. I got so excited I just came into what we were going to talk about. <laughs> it's nice to be podcasting again. It is. It's nice to be back here with you. Mm-hmm. Look at this. You know what's really nice? What? Our new widget. The new look. So it, I mean, it's not out yet. What? This isn't yet on the new widget? This won't be on the new widget? No. Oh, my god. But we can we can uh, talk about it as a teaser. It, I just teased. Yeah. Done teased. <laughs> it's going to be great. You're going to be able to find it more easily. Um, you'll be able to subscribe in a couple different ways if you listen to iTunes or Stitcher. So you'll always know when we get uh, new podcasts coming like out. Like that sound. Yeah. That like this. Bring, bring. Bring. And then um, if we call out publications or websites, you'll be able to go directly to that when we talk about it. So a few little coming. features. Yep, well, that's coming. Do you know if the old ones are going to be converted to the new? Yep. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. Oh. Well, they might not have all the chapters called out. You know, yeah, I'd have yeah. to do that manually, but all the new ones would for sure. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my God. Upward and onward. And just our, people are excited. They're calling in. Yeah. They're clicking in. They want it. They, <laughs> things happen when you podcast. Um, but we got other stuff to talk about. Yeah. A uh, bunch of stuff. Soybean plant progress. Mm-hmm. That's first on our list. Yeah. How are things going? What have you seen? Well, you talked about at our lab meeting, you talked about the NAS reporting for statewide mm-hmm. um, surveys mm-hmm. or census. And I think they said on uh, May 2nd, that about seven percent of Iowa has been planted. Seven percent. Isn't that of what you said? Soybean is planted. Yeah. Oh, are you? Um, don't mean to, to argue with you, but I think what I saw on Monday was like three percent, two or three percent. But that was for the previous week. So we're in the you know, data's coming in. Yeah. People are planting. Yeah. So it's probably it's it's my guess is it's increased rapidly during yeah. this week. The last we've couple had days. Fantastic weather. Mm-hmm. I think there's lots of acres going in. So that's great. Um, and I know we're getting some of our own research in mm-hmm. um, this week and next week, too. So I'm excited for that to finally happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but so far, I think people have been planting. You know, it's been wet in certain areas. And so people are planting when they can, but, you know, not trying to rush it too hard because we're still in good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is... Um I was listening to some uh, farm reports on the AM radio 540, true country, and <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, I was hearing, you know, some of the, uh, they do call in with farmers around the state. Yeah. Um, and one of the things they were mentioning is that, yeah, it was wet, but, you know, that dries and, mm-hmm. you know. Pretty quickly, and now it's a, you know been a good uh, week to get stuff in. The one thing that they were commenting on was how cool the ground was, and mm-hmm. stuff that had been planted before that big week of rain at the end of April. Um, it's like germinating slowly and growing slowly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So stuff mm-hmm. is sitting for a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, even though it was planted earlier, it you know, still hasn't emerged. Yeah. So soils take a while to warm up. We need a lot of sunny days to make yeah. that happen. So there's mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Pests. You have a question mark next to pests. Yeah, I was wondering if you heard about any pests so far. Um, 
Not specifically. Okay. Uh, but what I have heard um, is that, um, well, two things. Uh, we've got a manuscript that just got accepted that summarizes some of the work that a graduate student, a former graduate student, because he just graduated, Mike Dunbar. Yeah, Dr. Dunbar. Dr. Dunbar. Uh, just graduated, and one of his projects was looking at the pests that um, might occur in crops grown where there's a cover crop, like mm-hmm. a rye cover crop, which um, is becoming more and more common mm-hmm. in Iowa. And um, yeah, he found more pests, more leps, the moths that migrate up from the south in those fields that had cover crops. And in talking to a couple other entomologists, they were saying that, yeah, when they talk to farmers, um, kind of anecdotally, this is uh, you know, not any kind of survey that's you know, structured and statistically correct, but just when they have a talk with farmers, uh, they say, yeah, they're, the farmers that they talk to are seeing this as well, that um, it's something that they feel like they need to be a little bit more conscious about in a way that when they weren't using cover crops, they didn't have to think about don't know if you're hearing anything about that as well. Yeah, um, we have a crops teleconference every Monday and uh, going around the state and hearing updates from field agronomists. I think about half of them talked about in their area because of the moisture that, you know, extra moisture, soil conditions were wet. They weren't able to properly terminate their cover crops bingo, bingo. in a yep. time yep. that they wanted. Yep. And yep. they also are having some issues with weed control. Yeah, And so those those green tissues are uh, especially attractive to egg-laying females of like black cutworm, true armyworm. And these are migrating up. They're yeah. looking for someplace that's green to lay their eggs. And yeah. if the cover crop isn't totally burned down yeah. yet or these weeds are there, they take advantage of it. Yeah, and we have uh, some black cutworm uh, pheromone traps set out at nine of the research farms this summer. And they've been checking for black cutworms for over a month. And we've determined a predicted cutting date in corn for uh, starting next week. Cutting date? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a, that sounds that's like a very, term. That's very jargony, cutting. but basically um, when, you, when you get enough adult female moss that you capture on traps, um, at a certain point we call it a biofix. And that's just an indicator for there's a significant flight moving up from the south. And we would start to see um, eggs being laid uh-huh. on those green plants were available within the, within or around a field. And just based on degree days, and I think we've talked quite a bit about degree days in the past, accumulating degree days after the biofix, we can, we can estimate how long it takes for those eggs to hatch yeah. and larvae to feed, you know, begin feeding yeah. on whatever's green. Yeah. And so the predicted cutting date is when we would expect larvae to be actually out there and if you had veget- early vegetative yeah. corn to be cutting off that those seedlings at the soil line and that's bad news and it, it'd be the same thing for soybean as well if yeah. they happen to be laying eggs in yeah. fields with soybean they could cut the cotyledons off too so just to translate what i think i heard you say um you know from traps that are picking up these migrating moths mm-hmm. that the moths have arrived They've laid eggs. That's mm-hmm. your biofix. The, 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 mo- the, the moth, moth capture is yeah. the biofix, yep. And, and from, by fixing that date, you can, and 
predict when the eggs will hatch and the larvae will show up to get to the, what was the term? Predicted cutting date. Predicted cutting date. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, IPM. And what is that date? Where, where, do you, do you, uh, it's variable from around the state, but it's happening starting next week. Starting next week. And ah, so I, ah. I wrote an ICM article with Adam Sisson. He works in the IPM group He's and I can guy. link it um, to guy. this. Yeah. And he. Graduate he, of the graduate program in sustainable agriculture. Yeah. Sorry. He's awesome. Um, and he's the one who does all the degree day. He coordinates the trapping effort for us, and so he very helpful. And um, basically what we both agreed on is that the, the moth captures here were pretty erratic. And so um, there's, there's, those are just our best guesses just mm-hmm. based on those trap captures. And, and nine traps in Iowa, you know, that it only represents a fairly small area. So if you happen to have a field that you're having trouble with crop cover crop termination or if you have particularly weedy fields. Yeah. Those are the fields that need uh, higher on the priority as far as scouting compared yeah. to others that yeah. maybe don't have a cover crop. So I can link that uh, in our podcast. Great. More details there. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. And one okay. more thing. Um, uh, Megan Anderson, she's a field agronomist in south South central Iowa. She uh, was finding bean leaf beetles and oh, really? when she was doing some just uh, germination. Oh, interesting. So she found a few. So if you happen to be one of the first people out there with beans up, um, know that those are particularly attractive to bean leaf beetles. So just heads up on that. Yeah, not to um, spend too much time on this, but my sense is that there's enough green out now that maybe bean leaf beetles wouldn't be such a problem to the earliest planted soybeans. But the problem is with the delay in development, who knows, you know, what's out there. Yeah, because if 7% is planted, it doesn't mean, I mean, I don't know what percent is emerged. That's right. That's right. All right. Wow. That was good. Wow. Mm -hmm. Why the question mark next to pest? Well, I wanted your, I wanted your, I wanted your thoughts. Oh, you're good. See, we're having a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I have new projects, new people. Yeah, we've got a We've got some new stuff going on. Yeah, because our last, one of our last podcasts was an interview with uh, Matt Kaiser and Dr. Kaiser. Dr. Kaiser, and he is a postdoc in your lab, so he's like officially here now. He's on board. He's getting things going. He is, and he is planning for the release of, I hope I pronounced this right, Aphis glycinus, which is a parasitoid wasp that has been approved for release in the United States to attack the soybean aphid. Um, The soybean aphid is still a pest. (laughs) Uh, and still uh, is an issue for some farmers, maybe not all Iowa soybean farmers, but enough where insecticide use occurs. And for our brethren and uh, up north, they're starting to see problems with resistance because they've been spraying so much insecticide. So alternative approaches to managing this pest are um, something we're interested in pursuing. And Matt is going to pursue the release of this wasp It'll be the first time in Iowa that the wasp has been released. We're going to focus in central Iowa. We've got some research farms. Actually, let me clarify that. We have farms that the ISU research program um, maintains. So these are these are grown commercially, um, and we're going to release the wasp there to see how well it establishes in Iowa, just given sort of normal conditions. Um, I think we're up to about 20 release locations. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and the 
we're working with a colleague out of uh, USDA in Delaware who claims he can get us. Uh, Keith Hopper is his name, and Keith uh, can rear up about three hundred thousand uh, of these wasps every um, about month or so. That's no joke. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're doing the math, trying to figure out like, well, you know, given that, how many could we release per site? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's looking like we're, we, I should say, I should say we, Matt Kaiser is going to be able to get this done. Mm-hmm. How well it establishes and suppresses aphids, we don't know yet. Yeah. Um, but the first question is just to see, you know, can it work? Can the, the wasps stick around given our conditions? Um, some promising results have come out of Minnesota where when they've released it, it has stayed through the season. And it showed up the next year, so mm-hmm. it looked, That's what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we kind of go from there. Cool. Um, anything else? Hey, you got you got a new person coming. Do you want to talk about Erica? Well, have we talked about Erica? No, we haven't. Um, Erica is a student, a new master student that's coming in in a few weeks. She's soon to be a graduate of Saint Lawrence University in New York. And um, is that right, St. Lawrence? Right. Okay. You know, yeah. if only we had I know. looked it up. Yeah, yeah. and uh, she is going to be doing a cool project that's uh, funded by SARE, which is Sustainable Ag Research and Education. And she's Out of the USDA. Yeah, and she's looking at a couple different combinations of RAG genes, host plant resistance genes for soybean aphid. And she's also looking at some of the biological control that uh, can be also augmented. Yeah, right? that augments yeah. it. Yeah, the host plant resistance. And so she's going to be doing some small plot stuff this summer because she is looking at some new gene combinations that we really haven't had a chance to get our hands on in the field. So that's going to be exciting, including a three-gene pyramid. So, so one, a, two, and three. Yeah, a, a cultivar of soybean that has three genes that provide protection to the soybean aphid. Yeah. And she's also going to start lining up farmers, right, to test this in for, the... for next year. I think we'll be able to get a seed increase, to, yeah. so we'll do a little bit larger scale studies next year on on farmers' yeah. property. Yeah. yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, any other new people projects? Uh, new projects. I'm doing a couple different seed treatment projects. Uh, a couple in soybean and one in corn this year. I kind of do those things um, every year, but they always have like new products that they want me to look at. And yeah. then we're getting all of our efficacy evaluation uh, trials lined up, and we have about 25 treatments at Nashua and 15 treatments at Sutherland. So that's kind of a, a good number for us. And these are treatments that include both seed treatment and foliar applied insecticides? Yep. And then combinations of the two as well? Sometimes, yes. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's some... New products um, that you know, it's just a it's just a serial number. I don't even know what it is. So, yeah, they'd like to compare their product versus what you know would be a standard product that's already out there and and, and tried and tested. So, um, I'll be doing some of that, and we're also including Transform and Seeker, which we talked about before. Is um, Floxiflor has been canceled. That's Um, coming back. But. They think that uh, Dow, Dow AgriSciences thinks that yeah. they'll be able to collect enough data to get the re-registration going for it. So they're going to keep with the yeah. evaluations as they've done, bef- have they so, done before. Uh, is, is it correct to say that if somebody has already bought Transform, they can still use it? Correct. Um, but you can't buy any more of it. Right. Yeah. That's correct. But may come back. Yeah. May come back. Yeah. Um, 
How, how are we doing on time? We're good. We're just at about 16 minutes. 16 minutes? I might bring this up. Maybe okay. we, we can talk a little bit about this, and then, hey, if people want, we can talk about it next time. Um, we had an opportunity to share, uh, discuss an article that just came out, uh, will come out, I should say it just got accepted, in the journal Crop Science. The title of the article is High Input Management Systems Effect on Soybean Seed Yield, Yield Components, and Economic Breakeven Probabilities. The lead author is John Orlowski, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, John, uh, and it has several other authors, uh, mostly agronomists, some economists from around the Midwest, around the North Central region, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, some, of the, uh, some out of the South. And to kind of summarize what I think they did, and you read this as well, tell me if I got this right. Um, they did a study in nine states through three years, 2012, 13, and 14, where they grew soybeans using different combinations of inputs. They started with what they called the high input, all caps, soya uh, approach, where kitchen sink, right? I mean, herbicide, fungicide, inoculants, insecticides. Quite a bit of inputs, like yeah. everything you could think of for soybean. And and then just sort of... Uh, Backed off from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, they reported not only the effect on yield and different components of yield, number of seeds, mm-hmm. seed weight, but because they knew the estimated cost for all these different inputs, they could calculate uh, the probability that somebody would break even. That is, they put all those inputs in, they would get it back, both in terms of the amount of yield for the location they're at, but also the price of soybeans. And So are they making a profit using these well, different kinds of inputs? Is that right? Break even just means they... They just broke even. They didn't necessarily make a profit, but mm-hmm. they didn't lose money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you hope, you know, mm-hmm. you maybe makes a little bit more. Right? Um, and what was interesting, uh, and this is a big paper, nine states, you know, many years. All there's, I could count them: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen different treatments of different combinations of inputs. And uh, to make a long story short, um, it didn't pay off to do everything. Kind of no surprise there, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the odds of breaking even when you use, yeah, okay. Um, But for different inputs, there were different probabilities that people, a farmer could um, see a, a. at least break even, if not make a profit. That makes sense. The one that was consistently. Um, um, in the high range for probability of amongst all the treatments of, of break-even uh, was insecticide use. And foliar. Foliar insecticide mm-hmm. use. Um, and uh, seed treatments, not so much. Um, sometimes, but not so much. But foliar insecticides consistently across all the locations um, were the, was the one that had the greatest chance of you know, a farmer breaking even. Now, the chance varied, right? I mean, it depended upon how valuable the crop, how valuable the crop is, and then how much yield you get. So you can imagine as those increase, the probability will increase. Yes. Um, but it, and so it wasn't always one hundred percent in the highest yielding environment 
with the highest probability, you know, highest value, it was like 69% that using a foliar insecticide. You break even. Yeah. But in the lowest yielding environment, in the lowest value, um, it was 19%. Um, but that's... So a one in five chance. Is that, oh, yeah. Hey, look. Doing math. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's interesting, given that uh, I was just looking at the farm news today. I just got my news edition of the farm news yeah. from uh, Fort Dodge, Iowa. And on the front cover is the little section on markets. Yeah. And you want to do a little, play a little game? See, can you guess what the value for corn is in 2016? 860. Corn? Oh, corn. No. Um, Sorry, I thought we are talking soybeans, so I I was talking soybean. Corn, I don't know, 270. Ooh, oh, it's not that bad. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought it was really low because of yeah. you asking me. So yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. thought it took a dip. Uh, Three something? That is the way you're supposed to play. You're supposed yeah. to always go low. Uh, 349. Now, soybeans. What did I say 10 seconds ago? 870? Uh, should we rewind the tape? Eight se- I, I, wow, again, pessimistic. Negative Nancy. Uh, 902. Mm-hmm. But... But your point is well taken, that these are lowest values for commodities in at least 10 years, maybe if not longer. Um, so knowing the probability that your inputs are going to at least get you to even, if not get you more than your investment, is important information. And I think, I don't know if we can put a link to this paper, probably not. It's just got accepted. This is sort of like a preprint. But when it does come out... yeah. We'll share it with uh, um, our larger audience. So, from what I understand, what you just said, if I if I heard you correctly, ah, um, reflective listening. Yeah, um, when when market values are low, and some of the input costs remain mm. at least consistent, if not increasing, the odds of making odds of breaking even are are low, lower than if the market value is high. Right. Is that right? So, as, uh, particularly a year like this, the odds of seeing a break even with an insecticide is maybe one in five, one in six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, we're, we're kind of generalizing because uh, there's quite a bit of uh, variation here. Yeah. Um, but Of course, that number goes significantly up if you have a pest population ah, that has exceeded the threshold, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 this is good to know because the authors, although they did say that they scouted and rated their their plots for, soy, for soybean pests, um, they didn't report, at least in the, um, excuse me, in the data here, in what years and what plots and yeah. what locations they Pretty did. skimpy on the pest info. But to be fair, this was an ambitious study. There was a lot of work going on. I mean, I, I don't fault them for that. They elected to do a, um, basically a calendar spray. They sprayed at R3 yeah. when... Uh, what we just got some early pod fill or pod formation going on, um, and the authors do say throughout the paper that they are not recommending that farmers do that approach. They just for their experiment that's what they chose, and they see that the best approach to using insecticides is within an integrated pest management program where you scout and spray as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just interesting that you know amongst all the the inputs, fertilizer, mm-hmm. um, inoculants, seed treatments, fungicides. It was insecticide that, at least in our area, 
and, and I think throughout the entire region that they studied, that was the one that had the biggest, the, the most likely to get most you consistent bang for your buck. Yeah. And, um, and maybe I'm just being defensive because I'm an entomologist and I, you know, want to think that I'm doing something worthwhile. But that that suggests that there's value in using these products, but the challenge is to use them in the most efficient way so you get you know, the most the biggest return on your investment while also not producing pests that become resistant over time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's mm-hmm. That's our jobs. Yeah. Are we done? Have we have we nailed it? I think it's nailed. Done, done, nailed. Yep. Welcome, season seven. Hey, it's great. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you know uh, because when we do get that new widget, the address will change. Oh. And so um, we'll make sure that everybody can get there. We'll point you to the new yeah. place, and yeah. hopefully, you find some value in uh, the little extras that we're going to put in there. All right. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Bye. Bye.